Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. Here are your hosts, John from Global Recon and Mike from Fieldcraft LLC, giving you the matter of facts. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. For this episode, it was a shorter episode, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I interviewed the CEO of Crisis Applications Group, Jay uh, Jay is a 20-year veteran of the U.S. Army. He was an 18 Delta in Special Forces, which is a medic. And then he went on to serve in a special missions unit, which he was also a medic. So aside from the interview, which we'll play in a second, um, we are now on LinkedIn. So if you want to check out Global Recon on a professional network, just search Global Recon on LinkedIn. Um I created the LinkedIn to help recruit uh, for some projects that I'm working on. And right now, one of those projects is creating a publishing arm of Global Recon. So if there's anyone who is interested and has experience in publishing for books or other media, you can reach out on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at john at globalrecon.net. Um, so let's. I'll play the interview with Jay from Crisis Applications Group. Here it is. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm on with Jay Paisley of Crisis Applications Group. Now, Jay spent 20 years in the U.S. Army, 15 of them in Special Forces. He was an 18 Delta Special Forces medic with 5th Special Forces Group, and he was also with a Special Missions Unit at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So, Jay, it's... Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, can you talk with the listeners briefly before we get into the interview about what your company does? Thank you. Uh, the Crisis Application Group is a membership program where we link up veteran-owned trainers and businesses with a mature, proactive audience. And <clears throat> what we do is incentivize the members to get out from behind the keyboard and social media and go out and train with the various subject matter experts and learn firsthand marksmanship, survival, uh, first aid, and so on. And, uh, you know, we have a TAP program for awards, and we offer prizes and free training and so on. And, uh, you know, our job is to go through and make sure everybody's on the up and up and, and, and stays mature and growing up about the topics. Nice. Awesome. So at the end of the show... Uh, I'll drop some some links for your company on social media and your website uh, for anyone who's interested in checking it out uh, even in further detail. So, um, so you you, sp- you spent twenty years in the U.S. Army, um, obviously during a very active time for military and even more for special operations guys. Uh, what made you join the army in the first place? Uh, I was a D student from Powder Springs, Georgia, with not a whole lot of options ahead of me. And like so many other folks, I walked into the lunchroom one day, and there was an Army recruiter. And just like that, I joined the Army. I mean, I didn't know rhyme or reason. I wish I could tell you I had, you know, aspirations to be a soldier. I just, I don't know, it just seemed like the right thing to do, and it it filled a void in my life. Right, okay, so... Can you give us a, a timeline or a brief uh, introduction on like which units you went into and um, and what some of your functions were there? Uh, well, I mean, in the big army, you know, I was a 19 Delta and I was in 4th ID, 3rd ACR, and 3rd ID. Um, 
And I don't, I, and I, I didn't really do much there. This is pre-war. This is mid early nineties. Everybody was broke. So, uh, the, the way the stars aligned, I ended up having to make a decision about my career, either get out or, you know, go special forces selection. So I made the decision back in 97 or 98 to go to SFAS and kind of give it the shot. And then, you know, so I went to Q course at Fort Bragg for three years ish as a medic, you know, if you include language school. And then I was in October of 2001, I was officially a fifth special forces group. And then from 2001 to 2006, I deployed multiple times, uh, with ODA 575 and 571. And then, I went through the hire process and became a medic at the Special Missions Unit at Fort Bragg, and I spent the remainder of my career from 2006 to the end of 2013 um, as a Special Missions Medic at Fort Bragg. So I know you were a Special Forces Medic, which is the 18 Delta. Um, Were you also working as a medic over in your other unit? I was. uh, So as an 18 Delta in, in... a regular special forces group, if that makes any sense. Uh, your your primary hat is as an operator. You're a Green Beret first and, and medic second, which means you're you're definitely number one man through the door. You know you're going to be blowing doors off like everybody else. Um, you're a shooter, and then should the occasion arise, you become a medic. Uh, now it's not too unsimilar in the special mission side of the house, but the emphasis there is placed off your 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 specialty your you you're expected to be a subject matter expert in all things tactical medicine so you do go to the uh the operator program and you'll you'll do start to finish with all the operators you'll be trained up on par with them um you know some some minor tangible differences but you are otc certified but when you go to your your maneuver element um you are the subject matter experts in tactical meds so you're expected to pursue that specialty and operationally speaking, you're you're certainly going to be um, set aside, if you will, you know, kind of to be the medic at that point. Um, not 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 too different from maybe what you would expect, maybe a ranger medic. You know, you're out on target with the guys, but you know, at that point, you're you're not the assaulter. I mean, the big boys are. So our role as support for that mission is to you know support the the mission commander and support the the mission sergeant major and. And uh, take care of the guys if uh, something happens to them. So I don't know; it's kind of unique. It's uh, they're both kind of similar, but you know your emphasis is a little bit different depending on where you're positioned. Right, and I know special forces specifically, like an ODA, is kind of unique in that guys have their specialty, but they still, you know, like like guys can be snipers, but they they aren't working just as a direct action sniper. Is that is that right? Yeah, and uh, so Green Berets have a very large footprint, and there's a wide variety of mission specialties. Um, a medic, two medics that went to the course together after the course, you know, after five years or so, can just have totally different flavors of, of career experience. You know, some focusing on the intelligence aspect of it, others focus on the assault side. Um, it, the the world really is your oyster in an SF group. You can basically do whatever you want. And then, of course, there's team dynamics. You know, you get some team sergeants and that drive the train one way and some that drive it another, and that, that'll greatly reflect on your experience as a medic also. Right, that's pretty interesting. So 
So, Jay, can you share a story of something that stood out to you uh, during your military career? Um, you know, it could be kind of a funny story. Anything that stands out to you that you can share with the audience? Yeah. Uh, so my entire military career, the one thing that that kind of it's my favorite story to tell when I'm talking to family and friends is uh, when doing the invasion of Iraq, our team was, you know, we were basically in the green zone before it was a green zone. And uh, one of the things we had to kind of manage while we were there were the Uday's Lions. You know, he had a big male lion and two lionesses, and uh, the big army, of course, wasn't sure what to do with it, so they passed that buck off down to me with my week's worth of veteran, you know, veterinarian training, and next thing you know, I'm kind of feeding and, and scrubbing out lion pens and, you know, kind of running a zoo, and then uh, we had lion cubs, and it was, a re- it was really, really interesting because the army at the time really didn't have any interest in it, but all I saw was a big PR issue if these animals were just kind of neglected. I'm not, you know, the last thing we need is PETA and all the other freaking animal rights activists bringing down the Army's neck too. So we kind of did that in our spare time. We we took care of the animals, helped them get fed. We, we man, we found all sorts of crazy ways to get money. Um, Angelina Jolie somehow got money up to the, to the program and uh, lion experts from South Africa flew in. It was just, it was... It was hard to explain. It was really, really interesting. We ended up in 6,000 newspapers across the world and over 100 television channels uh, globally just talking about our lions of Baghdad that we took care of when nobody else wanted them. So that's kind of my neato. That's kind of my neato mission. Uh, that's awesome. So so just for the listeners who don't know, Uday was one of Saddam's sons. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And Uday was a powerful figure in the... Saddam regime, um, and obviously when the U.S. invaded Iraq, uh, they were ousted from power. So that's that's p- pretty interesting. Yeah, it was kind of neat because all the palaces uh, of the wealthy elite they had basically petting zoos, um, ostriches, you know, these gazelles, everything. I mean, naturally we we harvested a lot of those animals to feed the meat eaters, but. Um, Maybe not on the radio, but one of these days I'll tell you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the story about what we did with some of the animal in order to to keep the zoo running. I don't know that <laughs> that's going to get the attention we want, but it's good stuff, though. That's awesome. So, Jay, on the last few episodes, we've been having a, a small segment of the episodes where our guests would share a combat story or a war story. Uh, from their experiences overseas. So uh, can you share with the audience um, a story of a time that you were engaged in combat? Yeah. Uh, you know, on the special mission side of the house, you know, we, there's, we, we had a lot of, you know, battle engagements, firefights, whatever term you want to use. Uh, the one that kind of stands out in my mind the most, it was, it was an example of, you know, overwhelming U.S. superiority just in terms of sheer soldiering. Um, we lovingly nicknamed it Isla de Muerta, you know, the Island of Death. Uh, there was these swamps out north, mid to northern Iraq, and there was this island where all the, you know, the Moosh had kind of congregated around, and uh, we were sent in, of course, to go do our thing. And, you know, it started off with, as we cleared the reeds, there was a sniper shot and took a guy out. And as soon as we got in there, we realized 
this particular guy had his belt-fed machine gun rounds chambered ready to go, and he was going to mow us down, you know, as soon as we came out of the reeds. But, you know, our, our, our recce elements, you know, paved the way for us. And I kind of set the tone, and we ended up getting – and mind you, this is all under the, the green glow and night vision goggles, so it was very surreal, especially now that I look back on it. We had troops online, and we basically just walked across this small island – and uh, we were engaging targets, and of course they had nowhere to go. Um, and, and we basically, you know, pushed them from one side of the island to the other side of the island. And when they tried to hide into the reeds, I remember we put dudes on little birds, and we had little birds hovering over them like gnats, and uh, taking them out. And man, it was just it was a crazy night. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's one of those it's one of those missions that uh, me and the guys who were out there with us it kind of stands out that. You know, we came out there and we found some troublemakers and we absolutely, you know, bested them with with our vastly superior, you know, training and, and everything else. It was a pretty awesome moment. I realize it's kind of vague. I'm, I'm intentionally avoiding some details, but I think some of the guys that were with me will know what I'm talking about in the, uh, um, the old island mission. That was a good one. We really racked up a count for that one. What? So, so how many deployments do you have uh, that you can talk about? Uh, I've got that that we can genuinely talk about. I've got somewhere between 35 and 40 months of deployed time. Okay. Because, um, you know, our deployment cycles are, are different depending on where you go. So the number of deployments can be a bit canned. Right, 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 right. And then, of course, I got, you know, various trips to various locations that, you know, they're there. Learned a lot on those two. Right. Okay. So, all right, Jay. So, let's. Can we talk a little bit more about your company? Um, do you? Is your company employ veterans only, or guys that you served with? Like, how, how does that work? Can you give us the structure a little bit? So, the, we don't really employ directly veterans. What we do is we sponsor or we we partner up with training affiliates. So, if there's a a veteran-owned training group, say, in Oklahoma, what we'll do is we'll we'll push our Oklahoma members towards these veteran trainers. And in that sense, we, we're directly supporting those veteran companies in the various states that we're in and helping them get, you know, clients and kind of get started and dependent on the circumstance, kind of help them market and get their names out there. Um, we employ conventional advertising, which is generally cost prohibitive to, to veteran small businesses. I'll give you an example. 15 commercial or television commercials can run, you know, 10 to 20 grand. Well, we'll take, we'll get those television commercials, commercial spots for the group as a whole. Those veteran companies directly benefit because as we recruit members, we push them to those veteran companies. Um, and we do have some civilian companies that participate. But it's on a case by case basis. I, you know, I, I like the veterans. I get consistency and professionalism, and and uh, you know, they're really committed to teaching, not just putting out you know generic content. If that makes any sense. So we're very happy. We're running a very positive uh, community of proactive people who are looking for training, specifically from veterans. Hey, so what is in the future for your company, or, or what are you guys working on that will you know, you have coming up for the future, like any ideas or concepts that you plan on introducing other than what you've already done? Yeah, actually, uh, 
so last year we were just kind of feeling out what we were as a company and uh, we did mostly you know recruiting through attraction and this year 2016 we've converted to to a proactive uh, recruiting model and we're trying to grow the membership we're already national and international and we're making a big push at at uh, recruiting more veteran-owned small businesses to get in on this group um, and the idea is the more the more members we get trained in, in rock solid fundamentals, the more complex training we can put on for them. Um, this year, we we recently embraced some airsoft technology for some force on force stuff. Uh, so we're going to make a push towards that this year, also. Uh, you know, and I realize airsoft comes with a lot of you know negative connotations. You got kids running around with you know, Darth Vader outfits, playing BB gun wars, but. When used correctly, these uh, these training tools are, are profound educational devices. I mean, we run home defense courses here locally, and there's no better way to drive the point home, you know, to these husband and wife teams looking to defend their house and actually have a burglar come in and engage them. So our training is getting more and more complex and in-depth, and uh, we're pushing more and more realism. So... And this is predicated on the fact that our members are already taking courses from our training affiliates in first aid and in marksmanship and in some cases survival and even communication. So this year is going to be a big year towards expansion. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where we go. We're having fun. You know, it's a good community. Yeah, it's awesome. It's interesting you bring up the airsoft thing because um, I've noticed a lot more companies are using that airsoft technology to train, uh, which is very interesting because I know – at the same time, airsoft uh, gets a bad rep from some in the veteran community. Um, but, you know, it's always something that you think it, it can be a great training tool, and it's interesting to see veterans utilizing that now. Yeah, it was an interesting um, evolution on our end. We had we had accrued some capital, and we're looking to invest in some munitions and a few other, you know, training programs. And my son... Um, begged and pleaded for me to just try an airsoft gun, try an airsoft gun, and finally broke down and bought one. And I tried it, and all I can say is I was wrong. They're great tools. They are fantastic tools. We use them for some other projects. Uh, uh, we have a TACMED competition team where we're going to be participating in a national TACMED competition, and we got belt-fed machine guns, uh, IED simulators, the works, um, all through, all made possible through, you know, airsoft training. So I think if a lot of it has to do with the maturity of the trainers. So I, I personally, we've only used them as, as training tools. We've never had a BB gun more. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. I think it's hard for a lot of professional folks that were operating at our level to get out of the military and see a training tool that was developed by teenagers as valid. Um, but my challenge to the naysayers is, you know, it's not just good enough to get one to shoot one, get one, shoot one and train with one and, you know, see what you think. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. The, the technology is just, it, it's, it's come so far since the bright neon guns. I mean, they're fantastic training tools all around. Nice. Can you talk a little more about that tech med competition uh, for anyone who, who doesn't know what that might consist of? Sure. Uh, so tactical medicine is kind of coming into its own 
its own field, its own market, if you will. Um, the war has been going on long enough where people are understanding the value of those those initial, those acute trauma skills. And uh, this Sunday, May 22nd, uh, we're going to be participating in a national invitation. It's a national invitation. It's a TACMED competition ran by, uh, by SOAR out of, out of Charlotte. And we're going to be competing against other two-man teams. They're going to be from fire departments to other military teams and so on. And our company role, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm participating in it. Um, but our company's role primarily is to serve as the training conduit for the team proper. Um, if you look on our YouTube channel, you'll see some. We got some training venues on there. We just did a, a meth lab Sunday with HME and we went in there full SCBA and, and, you know, really challenging our medical skills through the, the complexity and the severity of the scenario, everything from live fire ambushes to recon missions gone wrong and IEDs and, you know, homemade explosives, the full money. <clears throat> the idea is that I'm going to pass on my operational medical experience to the various you know, folks who can use them now in the civilian market while they're still relevant, you know, law enforcement, fire department, and so on. So it's a good program. We're, we're really happy with it. Yeah, I, I always find these competitions interesting. Um, and what something that's common that you hear from the guys who are competing is that everyone kind of learns from the experience, um, whether it be a new technique or a different way to, to, to use something or utilize a piece of equipment. So um, that's obviously uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, the competition would be a good place to do some cross-pollinization, you know. Um, obviously, everybody's going there kind of, you know, being va- evaluated against the same common set of standards. But really, the idea is for the fire department guys to show us some, some ninja skills and vice versa um, and just kind of grow the community as a whole. So, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Hey, Jay, so it was great having you on. Um, can you drop your website and social media handles and any other point of contact for any of the listeners who would like to reach out to you or learn more about your company? Absolutely. Um, our website is www.cagmain.com. That's cagmain.com. And we are on Facebook and Instagram at Crisis Application Group. If you want to reach out and ask us questions, feel free to PM us on either of our social media accounts, and uh, we respond rather quickly. So we're all about answering questions. Awesome, awesome. So, Jay, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on here and um, and so we have this discussion for the audience. Uh, and, you know, just again, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. That concludes the interview with Jay from Crisis Applications Group. Um, maybe when his company goes to compete in this tactical med competition, we can get some updates from it and we'll have Jay back on to talk about how that was and maybe even get some footage, some pictures, some video and do some edits and stuff like that. So that concludes the episode. Uh, once again, uh, you can check us out on LinkedIn, just search Global Recon. We are establishing ourselves on the professional network uh, in efforts to recruit some people who have who have different specialties, and specifically what I'm currently looking for is people with experience in publishing. 
So if you fit the description, just reach out on LinkedIn or send me an email at john at globalrecon.net. My website is globalrecon.net. My Facebook is FB Recon. My Instagram is IG Recon. My secondary account is globalrecon underscore Inc. And my Twitter is IG Recon. Mike Glover, the co-host of the show, his website is fieldcraftsurvival.com. His Facebook is Fieldcraft LLC. He also has two Instagram accounts. His first account is Soft Survivor. The second account is Fieldcraft Survival. And his Twitter is IG Soft Survivor. If you have any questions about anything you've heard on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at globalrecon.net and you'll get a response to your question. So I'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace.